Welcome to season two of the Unbiased Label podcast with your host, Zara Karutz. On this podcast, we believe that labels belong on clothes, not people. We have real talk on all things fashion and culture from a critical global perspective. This episode is a conversation with fashion commentator Hanan Basovic, aka the Instagram handle that has risen to wild popularity called I Deserve Couture. Hanan holds the self-professed degrees of PhD in meme, masters in throwing shade, and a minor in fashion. Please join me as I talk with Hanan from his home office, where we discuss his love of fashion, the ideas behind his Instagram page, and his personal points of view. Please enjoy the conversation. Hello. Hello, Hanan. Hi. I'm so excited to talk to you because you are such a fun personality and you always have so many interesting things to say. So thanks for taking the time. No, don't worry about it. Thank you for having me here. You started your Instagram, what, January 2020? Correct. Your first post, you have like 340 likes? Yeah, I I keep that post just because it is where I started. And I think the post is about Scaparelli's uh, skeleton dress, I think. Yeah, it was. It was was the old, I think, what, 1938 Scaparelli, Salvador Dali. Correct. Collab, the crate, black dress. How did you get there? I started talking about fashion on my personal account first. And when I started talking about it, I did not even think about like where it's going to go. I did not think of anything. I was just talking about fashion to talk about fashion because I had to vent. Um, (laughs) And then I realized that my demographic is 100% wrong because on my personal Instagram, I have my aunt who doesn't know how to spell Givenchy or, you know, like she doesn't care who Christian Dior is, what he did in 1947. (laughs) So I'm like, you're preaching to the wrong choir, buddy. So I created I Deserve Couture. And then I just started writing about fashion and complaining about fashion and loving fashion and just talking about it. I I found it relaxing just because it was a way for me to talk to somebody, even yeah. though, that, you know, it wasn't a physical person. I felt that those seven followers wanted to hear me say something. That's right. Yeah. And after that, I started going on like IO's profile, then somebody would add me and, you know, like this thing just like kind of like started growing. I didn't think that I'm going to get further than 5,000, to be honest. And then when I started, like this thing is like going bigger and bigger. It and yeah, it, it, it kind of blew up yeah. fast. And for me, my medium is memes just because I like to laugh about fashion and I like to keep it light. But then when there's uh, serious conversations, I'm down to have those serious conversations also. Your your aunt wasn't necessarily your target audience. <laughs> yeah. So who would you say is now your community and your audience of 40,000 people? Uh, number one, it's like fashion enthusiasts. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like people that just like want to have a laugh and a talk about fashion. Yeah. I answer all of my direct messages. I got a message not so long ago from, from a lady saying, my son would love you. 
um, love your page and love your humor. He would love you also. I lost my son like four years ago, but I'm sure that he's looking at your stories with me and laughing with me. And whenever I talk about that, I start crying and I'm getting teary at this point. I just got chills. Yeah. And when you get that kind of a message, you see that somebody's laughing with you. Yeah. And I love that just because it's such a difficult times that we're living in. And to know that you made someone laugh, at least for like 10 seconds, I'm like, okay, I brought a little bit of good energy in this world. I and love that. Yeah. People that follow me, I think that they understand my humor. I think that they understand that I'm not trying to be mean or an asshole. I'm just trying to improve uh, a messed up system that we have. <laughs> That's it. But, but, uh, other than that, like, let's have a talk when we have to talk. Let's have a laugh when we can laugh. Yeah. Um, let's call it out when we have to call it out. You know, at the end of the day, it's nothing mean. It is just the truth. Yeah. And when you want to talk about the truth, uh, people are not happy. Why you named your handle I Deserve the Tour? Because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Because for, for me, for me, couture is fashion, 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 you know, and before I started the account, I was talking to my friend from Croatia and I was giving her options and, you know, like all of them were stupid and I did not see the brilliance in the I deserve couture. So I tell her, I'm like, I deserve couture. She's like, okay, stop. That's the one. Go with that. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I get just like, good yeah, God bless her. Uh, and so basically I, I named it that. And then I don't know. When COVID hit, to be honest, I, I kind of focused on my page. I was working in hospitality. I was working as a group coordinator in reservations. So I was dealing with like uh, sports groups. I was dealing with weddings. I was dealing with contracts. I was dealing with a lot of stuff. I loved my job, mm. honestly. I loved my job. And I, I love fashion. I would always look at fashion. I was always watching runways and stuff. And that is like since 2010. But then when uh, when COVID hit, I got furloughed, and like the rest then, of the world, exactly like ha like uh, I'm gonna say half of my hotel almost got, got yes. furloughed. I'm like, so what am I gonna do with my time? I'm like, well, you know what? Give it a try, and let's see where it goes. And um, and it it went somewhere, and 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 now we're here. <laughs> yeah, well, a PhD in meme, a master's in throwing shade and a minor in fashion, which is how I take it is that you have an opinion, but your opinion is educated, lighthearted, don't take yourself too seriously. Mm -hmm. and, and then you couch it in humor, but it's this recipe that is very disarming mm -hmm. and very honest that I think connects with people. Unlike other people who I will not name, they have maybe have a similar style, but it's really like vengeance. And you're not a vengeance person. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I 100% I, I agree with what you mean. Number one, thank you so much. I truly appreciate and everything that you said. I, I think that I'm not going to say that I cracked the code, but I found something that works for me. Yeah. For me, humor, I always say everybody likes to laugh. And the last thing that I want anybody to take away from what I do on Instagram is that I'm mean, because that's never my intent. Even when I criticize these designers or shows, it's never my intent to be vicious or, you know, like, just like destructive. I'm always trying to give them advice to be like, hey, do more of this, 
this is what we want to see. Um, stay away from that. And I, I'm not afraid to call people out because I hope that they're going to listen and fix the mistakes. Right. Um, but I have to realize that that's not going to happen at 95% of the times. Not so long ago, I, I reviewed a show from a designer that follows me on Instagram and I was critical. And after that, he unfollowed me, which I'm 100% fine. But it just shows that these designers kind of live in, a, in the yes world. And mm -hmm. social media is not, not a yes world. When I think of Yves Saint Laurent back in the days, would prohibit people. He would ban people from coming to the shows when they wrote negatively of him. You know, yeah. so, you, so you have designers that, that really cannot take a criticism. I'm, I, that, that's like the biggest mistake ever. I mean, totally. when I see young designers, they're like, do you have any advice? I'm like, surround yourself with critical people. Surround yeah. yourself with honest people. That's your key to success. Yeah, I, I agree. Look what happened to Kathy Horn. God bless Kathy Correct. Horn. I Correct. Uh, she's still one of my queens. But I, I think you're right. There's something about fashion that the criticism, they view it as a personal attack. What you're saying is it's, it's about growth and perspective. And the thing that I like about you is as much as you can dish it, you can take it. Of course. Of yeah. course. Whenever yeah. I take a picture with a designer, I'm like, okay, time to read me. And then like people go at it and I, and I love it because listen, I can make jokes about so many people, but if I cannot take a joke, then what's the point of this all? Yeah. You did that the other day when you made a reference to the Jackson Pollock dripping. Who was that? Was that Chanel? Who, who oh was my that? God. It, it was, uh, it was Chanel. Yeah. It was yeah. Chanel. Yeah. 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 And it, I thought you were so on point. I didn't even see the Pollock reference until Same somebody here. referenced it. I was like, well, <laughs> clearly now I see it, but I did not. I miss that. They are missing a point on a, on a lot of things. Yes. And when it comes to Chanel, somebody said they're their own worst enemy. And I 100% agree with that. And I'm not talking about Vision Evie Yard, who's the creative director yeah. currently, right. but I'm talking about the boardroom people. They are the yeah. biggest enemy of Chanel. I can ignore the aesthetics and the style that Vision is desperately trying to push and not, not a lot of people are on board but the people that are in charge of creating m making decisions in chanel they are the issue of chanel in my opinion i think that you, that you could like reference that statement across the board to many different brands definitely yeah definitely definitely when you look at who's in power of fashion in general it's the white man it's the white man and i always say that i'm like it's nice to have diversity on the runway and we're still struggling to have that. There is a couple of brands that are doing uh, Lord's work. God bless them. Uh, one of them being Louis Vuitton. But I think with Valentino has the best diversity when it comes to cast. And Tokyo James. Tokyo James has amazing cast. Well, you know, Tokyo James is my favorite designer. Oh, there you go. That's a good choice. That's yeah, a hell of a no, good choice. Yeah. Well, and when we say diversity, are we just talking color, gender, size, age? What are we talking about when you say I, I'm talking yeah. about like specifically race. Yeah. Okay. Specifically like skin yeah. color. I think that those three brands are really like ahead of the game uh, before everybody else. But I always say like, it's nice to have diversity on, on the runway and we definitely need it. But show me the diversity in the boardrooms. I know. That's, totally. that's, where, that's what I want to see. Yeah, I know I'm with you. You're also a voracious reader. I mean, you yeah. read. I saw you on, I think, the um, IG Live for Fashion Think Tank, and you were mm -hmm. talking about your summertime books. Yeah. And I actually per uh, picked up two because of you. One is The Fashion Conspiracy. So good. Oh, that book. Oh, 
if you see my desk right now, it is literally on the left side of me. I mean, love that, that book. That I, I had to kind of search for that book, and I'm, I'm living in London, and I think it. Oh, I see. It, it came from America. Like I had to kind of search for it. <laughs> Sultans of Style. Yes, that is okay. currently what I'm reading right now. What chapter you want to that one? I am. Let me tell you. So that was my my read for Croatia. Um, and then I realized that I'm not going to be doing a lot of reading in Croatia because there is the beach and it's really sunny. So I'm like, okay, let me just enjoy the sun as much as I can. But Which I am Croatia. You consider home. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Currently, I just finished the Oscar de la Renta, which is the, I don't know what chapter. Um, I did a Vivian Westwood and now it's Oscar de la Renta. And yeah. now it's Michael Roberts, seriously dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> which I love these titles because they tell you what's <laughs> they're like uh, this and this guy he was not good and I'm like okay that's all I need to know <laughs> fresh blood on the rue de Fabrouge Saint Honoré <laughs> I mean I love it no wonder why you get your material you study it oh yeah oh yeah when I read these I take notes on the side and then I also mark pages with like little sticky notes uh, oh. because there are so many fashion stories that are just like so interesting that I want to know where they are in the book so I don't have to go through the whole book. So I sure. put a sticky note up there and then I take some scotch tape and tape it in because I don't want it to fall out. And then I take oh. notes on the side. It is a whole procedure. Is this like a yeah. reference guide you mean? Correct. You will know the book that I read because it has like 600 sticky notes on top. <laughs> and those sticky notes are secured with scotch tape. They're not falling out. They're not going anywhere. And then what I do is that when I put a sticky note on a page, I put a little star next to the paragraph of where that story is. So, for example, right now, if I go back to Fashion Conspiracy, I have on page 189, I have a sticky note that says how Karl Lagerfeld got into Couture. And then on the bottom of the left side, um, there is a story how Karl got into Couture. Yeah, oh, that's so genius. For me, that is really good just because I know where what is. On, on every book, I, I do that just because I like to know my stories. Yeah, well, and I think that's what makes you so good. It's rooted in this foundation of, of actual knowledge. Once you have the knowledge, then you can do whatever you want with it. Correct. I think that if you want to know current fashion, you have to know history of fashion. At least that's for me, just because that's what I really enjoy. I mean, we can all talk about a certain silhouette or we can talk about a certain cut, cut of the pants. You you know, like, it's not something new. It, it has been done previous. You know, like camp, when it comes to fashion, it has been done today, and it is pretty good, but it's been done by Moschino in, in the 90s. It's been done by, you know, many, many brands. But, you know, I, I just like to know stuff. I don't know. I, I, I think it's nice because we have so much history in fashion that it's a shame not to read about it, honestly. Yeah. And I think that that's what people, when, when they see my page, they're like, okay, it's just a meme page. And if they think that, that's 100% fine. For me, I like to know for myself that I know a little bit about fashion, you know? So, so for me, that's, that's um, the, 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 the funny part about my, uh, about my Instagram. You know, people are like, okay, he does memes, but, um, you know, it, it's somebody who like actually studies this, but I don't need 
acknowledgement from 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 people like that honestly you study you research you have this internal library archiving system which is i'm super impressed by (laughs) i kind of want to come to your library and oh it's not it's not big honestly (laughs) it's it's not that big but i always have three books that are um that i have to read next so right now i'm reading the sultans of sal the next one that I'm reading uh, is Chic Savages by John Fairchild. Mm-hmm. Then I have A Beautiful Fall by Alicia Drake, which is about Karl Lagerfeld and Yves Saint Laurent. And then I have A King of Fashion about Paul Poiré. And then mm-hmm. I have like the new stuff that I have to get. So the library is going, is going somewhere. So I'm going to need another shelf soon. Okay, let's talk about Galliano and the... The, 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 God, the Gods and Kings? Yes. What did mm-hmm. you think about that? Mm-hmm. Oh, what a great book. Yeah. Such a I great book. I think it's a really interesting comparison between Galliano and McQueen. I mean, there's so many similarities in so many different ways. True. True. For me, it, it is just their fascination with fashion that I really do enjoy. It is, yeah. it, it's a sad book. I it really is a tragic. sad book. Yeah, when you look how everything ended and, you know, Galliano is currently at Margiela right. and kind of staying away from fashion, let's yeah. say, you don't see him that much. One thing that he did, which I will applaud him when it comes to when it comes to Margiela, I think that he's doing a great job in Margiela. Uh, but I, I think that is interesting when you compare his time in Dior and then at the end of every show, he would come off and just like a a peacock, show off his feathers and mm-hmm. show off. You know, he was a pirate. He was an <laughs> astronaut. He was, you know, it it was a train conductor. <laughs> exactly. So it it is funny to see him go to Margiela yeah. and not walk out, which is very Margiela thing to do. Margiela would never walk out at, no. uh, at the end of the show, uh, which I love that he's not doing that because... It, you know, it's kind of like a, a sign of respect in my head, at least, yeah. um, especially for somebody who, who was like that theatrical. Well, um, and and, and to be able to, I mean, he was kicked out of fashion and yeah. then to go to rehab, clean his life up and come back. I mean, there's probably I, I wouldn't know, but I'm imagining there's probably a serenity behind the mystery of Margiela where he doesn't have to put on that show fashion can be so toxic in many ways and and push you to be this alter ego that maybe you don't even want to be that person when you say kicked out of fashion i think that people want us to think that he got kicked off from the fashion so from what i read is when the whole dior thing happened he was fired but a year or two years after that i think he went to oscar de la renta as an advisor um he was not in the limelight he, you know, he did not go out on the stage, but I think like he was in the back um, advising Oscar de la Renta. Or I think it was Oscar de la Renta. It was a big brand, but I think it was him. Huh. But after that, the people that got him the job at Margiela is uh, is Anna Wintour and Andrew Leontali. Well, there you they, go. Yeah. So, well. so like, yeah. So when you say like he got kicked out of fashion, yeah, he did. But um, but he didn't. Yeah. You get, you get what I'm saying? They take care of their own. That's the thing. They that's really do true. take it. It's like this little like pack that sticks together, doesn't let anybody in. You have to play by their rules or you're not playing at all. And, which sucks for so many young designers that we have today that kind of like want to, you know, they want to do stuff like this. It is, it's a, 
vicious industry. Do you think it's going to change? I'm hopeful that it will. I think that it's more, now is more transparent. Yeah. What's going on. But I am scared to see like these young designers getting into fashion with these like PRs and this system of fashion that's in place right now. And then they're teaching them how to be just like them. And the last thing that they should teach them is how to be like them, just because this is where we ended up because of them. You know, I was actually on Clubhouse one time and, and I cannot remember his name, but he was a, a part of fashion in the 90s and like 2000s. And he was talking how he misses the 90s style and way of working. And then he mentions that he misses, was it Brooke Shields for Calvin Klein in the 80s? Mm -hmm. And yeah. he's like, that's what I miss. And I'm like, you miss a 15 year old girl promoting jeans in a very sexual way. That's yeah. what you're missing. Out of everything in fashion, that is what you're missing. Th these are the people that brought us here and they did not bring us to a best place. Yeah, no, I think it's totally true. And I think uh, who's been allowed to speak about fashion has been controlled. Who's allowed to be in fashion has been controlled. And for a hundred years, it's been a gatekeeping industry. Correct. Correct. So, and, and, you know. And, and like, it, just open it up. Open it up for kids. You know what? Thank God for social media. You have designers like like uh, Robert Moon, who, who did not come through Vogue uh, ways. You know, Vogue came to him. He came through social media. And that is the only way that you can get into fashion. If you're not uh, well-connected, like Ludovic de how however you pronounce his last name, Sanserayan or whatever. Listen, there's a couple of designers that are fashion's favorite for not a particular reason. Yeah. And it is that they're well-connected and I'm the first person that is going to call that out because you're taking the spot from people that actually have a voice and want to do this and they're not going to rap a, a model in, in a tablecloth and be like, yeah, that's fashion. Put $7,000 price on it. That doesn't fly well with me, especially when they don't understand how privileged they are. That irritates the hell out of me. And what do you mean by that? Oh, by that, I mean le like this nepotism that we have in fashion. For example, like um, uh, Charles de Villemorin, he comes from an extremely rich family that, that is well-connected in fashion. He was a model be before he became a designer. Did he go to school for design? Yes, he did. But that doesn't mean that your work is automatically good to become a creative director of Rojas, for example. You know, like he, be <laughs> he literally has two collections and became a creative director of Rojas. And then he, you know, he's like, oh yeah, you know, like, I am the new Galliano. Like, that's the energy that he has. And I'm right. like, Mary, you're not, show us more. And Rojas is a big house still, even though it's not like mainstream. Right. But then like, he goes for an interview and he says, like, his grandma knew the, the, the creator of Rojas or something like that. Like, yeah. you know, th th yeah. that's, what, that's what I mean. That's what irritates me. Classic. That's classic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You went to Valentino, to the Couture show. Yes. How did you get this? How did this happen? Tell so, so Instagram actually sent me to see Scaparelli. Oh, so, that's right. You went to Scaparelli first. Correct. Oh, what do so, you mean Instagram sent you? How does Instagram send you someplace? So they got into contact with me and they're like, you know, we like what you do, da, 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 da. And they're like, who would you like to work with? And I'm like, I like to work with somebody who I really appreciate. And they're like, Daniel. And I'm like, yeah, Daniel. 
I thought that it was just like rhetorical question because I had a list. No, I'm kidding. I didn't have a list. And and they're like, would you like to go to Paris? Blah, 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 blah. And it was perfect just because I was on my way back home to Croatia. So I'm like, okay, let me stop in Paris for two days and then I'm going to see the show and then I'm going to go to Croatia. So I see Scaparelli. I go to Croatia. I'm there for a couple of days. Valentino people reach out to me and they're like, can we steal you for two days? And I'm like, you can steal me for a month. Uh, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> yeah. And and then they're like, we would like to like invite you to our couture show. And meanwhile, I'm like losing it at home. I'm like, what? Little, little old me. They got me a spot there. Valentino Couture is my first fashion show ever. So it's just going to go downhill from now on. Come on, that's crazy. Honestly, it is ridiculous. But I cannot tell you how amazing it was. It so was ridiculous. You are now officially, I think we, it's safe to say, you are uh, a fashion critic. You're a fashion commentator. You are in fashion. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I guess so. I don't like the word critic just because like, there is a school for it. And I did not go to school. I like the word commentator. Yeah, commentator. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. You know just like there's a lot of these, let's say, Instagram journalists. Uh, I want people to be like... You know, I went to school for a critic. I am a critic. And that's right. fine. I did not go to school. For, I am a commentary. Yeah, but we need good commentary. There's a need exactly. for this role. Exactly. And I, <laughs> you know, this is amazing because here you are that built a name for yourself through your commentary. And you have something to say. And the fashion world is inviting you in. Yeah. And not everybody will. That's the thing. I don't think that the, these um, fashion shows are going to happen easily very often. Me personally. Uh, I think Valentino understands, especially Pierpaolo, he gets what I do. Why? Why do you say that? I spoke to him after the show um, and before the show. I'm like, you're here. I'm not missing my chance. I'm going to talk to you as much as I can. Um, what did you say? What'd so you we, we were talking about like the state of fashion in general. And he says something interesting. He said, you can be serious in your work without being serious. Yeah. And that is 100% what I'm doing. Right. I'm trying to talk about fashion and warn these younger designers, like you're not getting into a territory that is welcoming you. You're not getting into a territory that is going to help you that much. You're get getting into a territory that is vicious, manipulative, and not very welcoming. But I'm here to tell you that and warn you about that. So when you get in that territory, you know how to manage your way around. Right. These young designers are naive and they're thinking that everybody in fashion wants to help them. Everybody wants to help you and everybody's going to praise you when you make it. Until you make it, you're <laughs> going to get a lot more of no's and, uh, and you're going to get like these like, asshole-ish looks i know it's you know really but when, tell, your, tell some tell people think you're somebody they really exactly they're, they're like, going to like push you around and just be like ah, it's him it's her you know like and then when you make it they're going to be like i was always there for you <laughs> i was there from the first collection <laughs> no you weren't and these young kids need to know that you know so that's why i'm here like to call people out because they need to be called out yeah I, I would never call out these like younger designers if you don't do anything wrong. For example, like art school, 
I don't have a problem calling them out just because they were a part of something that I find extremely vicious. They would be tokenistic. They use the hell out of the the trans community and then on top of it, not pay them. This is how you're going to start your career with a controversy. You know, like Dolce & Gabbana can have controversies just because they make a lot of money. Yeah. They don't have to worry about that. Art school, for example, has to worry about that because you're already messing up at the beginning. I don't want to know how it's going to be in four years when you are somebody. Yeah. So it's... It was true. Fashion is a very funny, funny world. And then you have somebody who is working his ass off, is a great designer. And on top of it all, every um, direct message that I got from somebody working at Balma, they said how nice he is. Yeah, that's what's what's missing in in this industry. When somebody is nice. I'm so happy to hear that somebody is nice in fashion. Honestly. That's why I was so sad with Albert 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 Jesus or something like that. And then on top of it all, he funded an orphanage in Dominican Republic. Which is where he came from. Correct. I'm wondering what your analysis is on the current state. We're in this old guard, new guard coming up. We're in this transitionary period. So what do you think is really of the moment? Let people in. Mm. Let people in. Be more inclusive. You know what it needs? It needs honesty, honestly. That's what's yeah. irritating me uh, because I see, and, and don't get me wrong, I really do love like journalists that um, came, um, you know, like from the 90s, like Susie Menkins and like Tim Blanks and everything. But yeah. I do have a criticism of them. If you had some kind of power to fix fashion, why didn't you do it? That's my criticism because, you know, like Andrew Leontali also. You know, like as much as I admire his fashion knowledge, I think that he's one of the most knowledgeable people uh, about fashion. When you have a a voice and you have an impact, why would you not help somebody who is also a black designer and and mentor them? You have people that just like sat there and didn't do a lot and they just reported on clothes when there is like fashion is not about clothes anymore. No, it's not. It's about everything and that's what these fashion brands are not understanding we're commenting everything we're commenting your decisions we're talking we're commenting revenue we're talking about right. diversity we're talking about inclusivity we're talking about tokenism we're talking about nepotism right. we're talking we're, we're talking about identity representation exactly we're, 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 we're literally judging them on everything that they do and they don't get that it is not about clothes yeah it is about everything including clothes. Well, and so, is there not somebody in every single conversation in the room that's like, that's not going to work. I don't see curves. I don't exactly. see color. I don't see disability. I don't you know see why? representation. You know why? Because th- th- that, uh, me- those meetings are white. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is why. Because they're being like talked about by old white men that think fashion is the same thing that it was back in the 1990s. So what's it going to take to crack that illusion? Speak up. Talk about it. Call it out. 
one other person that I really do enjoy following, and I, I don't know if you follow him, is Louis Pisano. Oh, I was going to bring him up. Yeah. He, oh. he mentioned him. He mentions you. you. You seem like your friends. Oh, yeah. When I went to Scaparelli, I, um, he, 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 we got in contact and he was like, okay, let's go for a drink. And like, we go for a drink. Such a nice guy. But this is like somebody who has an opinion, is talking about it. Yeah. He works in fashion and he yeah. talks about fashion. You need courage for that. And plus, he's in Paris where a lot of the wrong stuff is going on. Totally. Not, not saying that a lot of bad stuff doesn't happen in Milan or, or New York or in London, but like Paris really like has a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure that he sees a lot of bad stuff. Um, but, you know, you have somebody who's uh, talking about like the issues that actually matter. The last thing that I saw was Vogue talking about uh, how problematic fashion industry is. And then they have Bella Hadid. And Kaya Gerber talking about how problematic that is. You're talking about like two girls that came there, um, nothing against them also, but you're talking about two girls that came there because of their last name and right. the influence on, on Instagram that they have. And you're going to talk to them about representation to white right. women? Fashion and nepotism, models that made it through nepotism, they really do need representation. If there is one group <laughs> that needs representation, is the white model. I'm like, come on. Well, and I wanted to ask you on that topic, the meme that you did for the Vogue September cover. How does your process work? I, I'm just curious because it was, to me, funny. It was on the moment. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know. It just like comes to me. I, I, if I, I wish I had a formula so I can follow it every time that I need to do something. Um, because like, it doesn't happen always. Like I have like blockage sometimes that I'm like, okay, what is funny about this? You know? Um, but I, I don't know. It just like comes like, I think there was like so many issues that I want to talk about, but I feel that I don't want to be repeating myself all the time mm. because people are going to be like, okay, he's only talking about nepotism and fashion. And I am extremely uh, passionate about that just because, it, again, it is taken away from a lot of girls that actually, you know, like as far as like really good models or like really good designers is taking a spot from them. And I get so many messages from models just being like, thanks for speaking up. You, you know what? I'm, and and I, I am in a very unique and interesting situation. The only reason is because I kind of don't have anything to lose at this point. Yeah. I did not. Position. Yeah, I did not come into fashion with like a secure seat at a Chanel show. Right. Number one, I'm not sure that I kind of want that seat at this point but because it's not good. Uh, but they don't have anything to take away from me. Right. That's how and I that, feel. I, but yeah. I have nothing to lose. Exactly. And they are terrified of that. That's the thing. They want you to... Can I curse? Kiss their ass? Yeah, you can totally. I love that I asked you, can I curse? And then I curse <laughs> in the same sentence. Uh, <laughs> Great. But, but like, they want you to kiss their ass. Yeah. And because they're, they're used to that. And when they see somebody, and like, Louis is the same thing. But Louis kind of does have something to lose. He does have, a, you know, a career out of this. Right. But he's still speaking out. So th the only thing that I can do is applaud that. Yeah. That, you know, like, you kind of have to have balls for that. But well, um, because this is the deal, you can always feel secure with your voice if you know that your work is good. Exactly. And if so, you've earned your position, then no one can ever take that away from you either. That's true.
I agree with that. And that's how I feel. When you're not handed something and you've earned it, then be free to be you. I mean, you should always be free to be you. But, exactly. you know, I mean, personally, I think society and, and industry and, and, and fashion likes to create this mystique of, you know, oh, you want to be liked or be in. That's all false. And Correct. That is just an outdated narrative that no one really wants to prescribe to anymore. No, exactly. But I think it's going to be like this for a little bit longer because now when you have these younger generations of fashion and so was, you know, like fashion is changing. We can say whatever we, we want. Maybe we don't see change direct in our face, right. but you see that it's changing. Like this, the thing that I posted today is Megan Thee Stallion being on the cover of Essence, for example. You have a beautiful curvy woman on the cover showing off her curves. And I love that. But can I say something? And this sure. is coming from a plus size woman. Mm-hmm. There's something about plus size representation that tends to only be packaged in the right curves in the right places. Like Megan Thee Stallion is beautiful. Granted, and not taking anything away from her beauty because she is. But all her curves are in all the right places. Yeah. I think I what, what was more shocking was to put Lizzo on the cover. Because... Sure. Her curves don't fall in all the right places. So I think acceptance of fatness in general is something that is a long way to go. But I think that has a long way to go with just people in general where we shatter beauty norms. Like, who cares how you're identified if it's a man or a woman? All that uncomfortable ambiguity, the world needs to get comfortable with. If that makes you uncomfortable, we should probably do it. That's what I think. (laughs) You're definitely you're definitely right. I think like when it comes to Megan, you're 100 percent right. She does have that like hourglass shape and like she does have curves in a world of Kim Kardashian inspired curves. And Megan's gorgeous. But you're right. Putting Lizzo or somebody with Lizzo's type of a body would be more impactful. And the thing that I don't understand, they put headshots with Lizzo a lot. And like they style her to cover her body. That is not why I want Lizzo on the the cover. I don't want to see her being 100% covered. It doesn't make sense. Well, because we don't cover skinny women. Correct. We we epitomize them as beauty objects to be admired and to become. So I think moving past what is conceived or perceived as beautiful or ugly is where fashion has to do a lot of work. Because power comes into play when people are marginalized and don't fit into these narrow boxes of what is perceived as acceptable. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. That's a good, definitely a good point. I have some anger, I think, Kanan, towards fashion. And when I talk oh. about it, I get a little angry. Well, considering what they have been doing all these years and like the ideals that they've been trying to push on us, we should be angry. Yeah. I we think. should be angry because, like, you know, like, they, you aspire to these girls. You know, like, this is, they tell you, like, fashion is, like, indirect way of saying, this is how you should look. That's right. That's right. And you should not look fat. You should not look this. You should not look, no, they're saying, like, you should look skinny and white. That's it. And rich. That's it. And rich. If you can be rich, good. If you cannot, <laughs> if you're not rich, try to look rich. Then be extra skinny. Is that- extra white. <laughs> Exactly. So anger is 100% understandable. 
it's an industry that is pretending to talk about issues yeah. while being a part of the issue. Right. It's, it's a lot of BS, to be honest. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just like going to keep like doing my little thing and then see where it goes. Do what you love and you'll never have to work again. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. So I'm Aww. very well, happy I, about I, that. The world is a better place with you in it. Oh, thank you so much. I, I truly appreciate that. Thank you. And, and thank you for having me here. It, it really means a lot, especially when I know that I came after a fashion roadmap. So that's like <laughs> an acknowledgement on its own. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Unbiased Label Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, then please connect with us on social media, tell a friend, and leave a review. Please tune in next time for more conversation on fashion and culture from a critical global perspective at the intersection of industry and academia. Until next time, stay well.